Well, I'd like to extend my good morning to you as well, to you who are online and to you who are here in person. Uh, it's so great to open God's word with you to Luke chapter 5. As John just said, we're continuing to follow Jesus. We're, we're entering his spiritual gymnasium, so to speak, and we're letting him show the, us the disciplines that he uses to, to grow strong in God. And so uh, we've talked so far about life-giving disciplines like engaging with scripture and the practice of Sabbath and uh, last week, it's John shared with us about friendship with Jesus and friendship with others. And today, I want to talk about following Jesus into solitude. Now, let me just kind of check your pulse here real quick. What, what do you think about? How do you respond? What emotions fill your heart when you hear that word solitude? Like, for example, if you're a parent of a, a, a toddler, especially a stay-at-home parent of a toddler, uh, maybe solitude is one of those things that, like, I don't even remember what that feels like. I, you know, uh, it's just been so long since I experienced anything called solitude. Maybe if you uh, uh, live by yourself, maybe if you're worshiping online and because of the pandemic, you've been by yourself more than you've been with others. Maybe solitude doesn't sound all that inviting. Maybe it, solitude sounds like solitary confinement and, uh, and, and it's, it's depressing. Well, I want us to see what Jesus means, uh, what the, the scriptures mean when they talk about Jesus withdrawing into times of solitude. Uh, we could look at so many instances in the Gospels, but I want us to look uh, at this passage in Luke chapter 5. Uh, we'll read verses 12 to 16. And uh, by the way, it's, as I begin reading it, it's going to sound anything but solitary. But, but wait till the end, because that's when the solitude comes. Luke 5, beginning in verse 12, hear the word of the Lord. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifice, the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. May God bless the reading of his word. <clears throat> I know a lot of people in this church who are great when it comes to building stuff. Uh, sadly, that has never been my forte. Uh, in fact, to be honest, uh, for you handyman out there, I, I struggle with jealousy. And uh, my wife struggles with jealousy of your wives, uh, even, even more. Uh, I guess I've been handier with pen and, and paper than I have with hammer and nails. But it's not because my dad didn't try to teach me. He, he did. In fact, I mean, 50 years have passed, but I can still remember uh, two sawhorses in our garage. I can remember my dad putting a two by four out there. I can remember him taking this uh, 
ancient T-square with most of the numbers kind of faded off. And I can remember him kind of snugging it up against that two by four. I can remember him taking this stubby little pencil and, 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 and kind of slicing it across the grain of the wood three times. Don't ask me why it was three, but it was always three times. I can remember him teaching me to kind of put the fat part of my hand along that line and then to take the saw and to just kind of do a rat-a-tat-tat motion across the top of that line, trying to build a groove. And sometimes, of course, my saw would go all over the place, but, but my dad would help me get back. And then I can remember him teaching me how to, how to extend my arm and bring it back. Extend, bring back. Extend, bring back. Now, sometimes, in fact, often, in fact, most of the time, I'd kind of get off my line and he would have to help me get back on the line. Sometimes I'd get a little hitch in my motion and the saw would get kind of uh, all bound up in the wood and get really hot and it'd get really frustrating. And my dad, once again, would have to help me kind of clear out a straight path so I could get back to my rhythm. Extend, come back. Extend, come back. I want you to feel that rhythm with me today of extending and then coming back because I believe in a sense this is the rhythm that Jesus wants to teach us. This is the rhythm of our passage. This is the rhythm of the life of Jesus. This is the rhythm of his ministry. It's a rhythm of out and back, out and back. Now, I want us to look at how this plays out in our passage. And, and, and I know you're saying that the sermon's about solitude, right? The sermon is about solitude, but it won't make sense until we see the whole rhythm, uh, until we see why we need solitude. And so I want you to think of our passage as two strokes, okay? And the first stroke is advance, kind of like we're pushing out a saw. It is advance. It's what I want to call extending the kingdom of God. If you're doing the deeply rooted readings with us, you know that we've talked about, we've read about the kingdom of God a good bit, uh, especially in the early days of our readings. Jesus is the one who has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's been the one to preach the kingdom of God, to announce the good news of the kingdom, and it's good news of, of the jubilee of God, the never-ending year of God's favor. It's, it's news of power to heal bodies and souls, to liberate us, to forgive us, to bring us joy. And Jesus preaches this message, but he also practices this message. He embodies this message. And, and, uh, and, and so by the time we get to verse 12 of chapter 5, news is spreading everywhere of Jesus' ministry. And I want, to, I want you to notice who approaches Jesus uh, as we get to verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The man is, is covered with leprosy. Uh, literally, he's full of leprosy. We're not exactly sure what kind of skin ailment it was. Some commentators think it was a, a disease called Hansen's disease. What we do know was that it was highly contagious. And because it was highly contagious, it was not only a physical disease, it was in a sense a social disease and it was a spiritual disease. In other words, those who had the skin disease were regarded as spiritually impure, socially off limits. 
And so perhaps this man was on the edge of the city limits when he heard that Jesus was passing through. And this was going to be his big chance. In fact, I love the posture of, of humility and faith. Look at this posture of humility. He, he fell with his face to the ground. And then listen to his faith. He says, Lord, if you're willing, I have faith in you. I know that you have the power to make me clean. Uh, there's a, a, a pastor and author named Brian Chapel, and he says this is a, a wonderful expression for us, a wonderful sentence for us when we pray. Right? We don't always know the Lord's will. And so sometimes we say, Lord, I don't, I don't know your will. Uh, I know what I want. I don't know if what I want is your will, but I, I know that you are wise. I know that you have all the power. I know that if this, what I'm asking is your will, you will do it. And so, Lord, hear my prayer in light of your vision of the bigger picture of my life. I want you to know I believe in your wisdom, and I believe in your power, and I believe that you love me. That's what this man, in a sense, is expressing to Jesus. Now, there's no indication that he had previously called and set up an appointment with Jesus so that Jesus had a chance to prepare. No, it's just kind of out of nowhere, here comes this guy. And so I want you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a moment. Out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, a societal outcast approaches you and he has a highly contagious disease. What do you do? What do you do? Do you run the other way? At the very least, do you avoid eye contact? Do you shield your eyes? Do you do what you do sometimes when you're in that like really aggressive marketplace where people are trying to sell you stuff and you just kind of thank you, thank you, you know, and, and you just sort of avert your eyes and, and, and step to the side? But I want you to see what Jesus uh, chooses to do in verse 13. It says, Jesus reached out his hand did I tell you this man had a highly contagious skin disease? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And then he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, I love this, the leprosy left him. The leprosy walks away. See how Jesus advances the kingdom? He literally reaches out his hand and touches the man. The man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds in the Greek with two words. Uh, and so it would sound like willing, cleansed. I love that. Willing, cleansed. I am willing, be cleansed. And then the man's leprosy left him. You know, I think a huge part of advance, as you and I advance the kingdom of God, uh, is, is just being willing to follow the choreography of Jesus here. Now, of course, we're not Jesus, and so we really can only say half of what Jesus said. When we're ministering to somebody, all we really can say is, I'm willing, right? I'm willing to be a conduit of whatever it is the Lord wants to do through me on your behalf. Only he has that power, but I'm willing to, uh, to be the conduit of that power. I, I think a huge part of, of cooperating with the kingdom of God is just moving forward and embracing others, engaging with others. It's just stretching out our hands, stretching out our attention, stretching out our love to others and just saying, I'm willing. I'm willing to be here for you. You know, one of the ways, if you were to say, okay, so what, what's a way that I could do that? What's a way that I could do that tomorrow? 
What's a way that I could do that Friday? Uh, If you're looking for a simple way to do this, then just look for the person on the fringe. Look for the person kind of out by the city limits side. Look for the people that other people aren't even noticing or, or, or maybe other people are avoiding. Maybe other people are avoiding because they're different. They're a different culture. They're a different ethnicity than the dominant group in this social setting. Maybe people are avoiding them because of their sexual orientation. Maybe people are avoiding them because of their economic status. Maybe people are avoiding them because of their their habits or their mannerisms. When you reach out your hand, when you reach out a holy willingness to advance the kingdom, yes, it may not be leprosy that walks away. It may not be leprosy that leaves somebody, but there's a really good chance that loneliness will walk away. There's a really good chance that isolation will walk away. There's a really good chance that discouragement will walk away. So that's the first stroke of the saw. Advance. Advance. Reach out a hand. Reach out your heart. Reach out in prayer. Reach out in humble love. But I know you're saying, it says right here in the bulletin, solitude, solitude, none of this sounds solitary. I thought, I thought we were going to talk about solitude, and you're right. But why do we need solitude? Why did Jesus, the Son of God, need solitude? I have to believe it's because advancing the kingdom of God can wear you out sometimes. You remember that time Jesus was in this crowded area It's kind of like standing room only at a concert. There's all these people and people are trying to move through the crowd and Jesus is trying to move through the crowd and then all of a sudden he stops and says, who touched me? Remember that? And his disciples are like, who touched you? I mean, everybody touched you. And he said, no, I felt the power go out of me. I think about that a lot. Jesus felt healing power leave him. It must have been exhausting to be Jesus on a daily basis. To feel power go out of you as you advance the kingdom. And so that's why we need that second stroke. We not only advance and extend the kingdom of God, but we also retreat and we rest with the king. We rest with the king of kings. You know, one of the things that's true about Jesus that's also true about you and also true about me is that life comes at us in unpredictable ways and that we can't control what comes at us. Case in point, verse 14, Jesus tells the man he's just healed. He says, you know, before you can re-enter society, uh, you know, you've got to go and see a Jewish priest and get that priest to sign off. And so go and do what the Torah says. Go and, and obey the Hebrew scriptures. Find a Jewish priest. Show him your healed skin. Make the appropriate offerings the law requires. Complete the waiting period. And then you can reconnect with family and with friends. Now, we don't know for sure whether or not the man obeyed or disobeyed Jesus, but if I had a hunch, I would be tempted to say that he disobeyed Jesus. And, and in some ways, man, I, I, I think I would want to do the same thing. I would want to just start screaming everybody, look what's happened to me. I've been healed. I've been healed. Here's what we do know is that verse 15 tells us that, that, that the news about Jesus spread all the more. The word of Jesus' healing was getting out all the more with the result that even larger crowds were pursuing Jesus, crowding Jesus, listening to Jesus, reaching out to Jesus, begging to be healed 
by Jesus. But it was precisely at this point, after Jesus had been extending the kingdom, that I want you to see what he does in in verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, deserted places, quiet places, and prayed. Um, What an important verse. In fact, the tense of the Greek verb, it's kind of a continual action. Jesus was often withdrawing and often praying. He was often gathering uh, to be by himself. You know, we spoke a few weeks ago about this 24-6 rhythm of Sabbath, uh, where we take a day, and, and one day out of seven, and that day is to really be with, with family and to be uh, with the family of God and to join in corporate worship and, and rest. But we also need... Uh, not just that family rhythm, so to speak, but we also need a private rhythm of where we, by ourselves, withdraw to be alone with God. And Jesus was continually doing that. Uh, at the end of chapter 4, uh, verse 42, he, he seeks out a deserted place. His disciples can't find him because he's spending time in solitude. He sought out moments and hours of, of retreat. Friends, if all we do is advance and advance and advance and we're going to overextend ourselves, we're going to grow tired, we're going to lose focus. The line between what is God's responsibility and what is my responsibility is going to get really blurred and 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 I'm going to grow cranky and I'm going to grow irritable and when I see someone coming toward me, instead of extending the kingdom of God, I'm going to be like, oh, not again, you know, not again, I've got nothing for you. I've I've overextended my soul. But in solitude, what begins to happen? In solitude, it's like the holy helium seeps back into our hearts again. In solitude, we become like the psalmist in Psalm 131, verse 2, when he says, but I've calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Not, interestingly enough, like a nursing child, but like a weaned child. I can be with, this child can be with its mother without at that present moment demanding nourishment from the mother. We can be with God without demanding things from God. As Ruth Barton says, we we can just remember that we have a soul. We can remember that God is with us. We can remember that this is our Father's world. We can rest in God. Now, yes, one way to do this is to take a day or a couple days to get in a car, to drive to a retreat place, but, but you don't have to extend that much time. You, uh, you, know, you can sim- simply ask God to help you find ways to throttle down your heart, to rest like that quiet, weaned child. You know, one thing that you can do is you can set an alarm on your phone, you can set a, a kitchen timer, And you could set it for 10 minutes. You could set it for five minutes. You could set it for three minutes. And just be alone with God. Three minutes. And just kind of turning everything off and just being alone with God. Three minutes. Turn to somebody and say, even I can do three minutes. Do that. Go ahead. Let me hear you. Okay, online. I want you to do it too. You and I can do three minutes. It's just taking some time to be still and know that God is God. It's taking a few minutes just to kind of breathe in and, 
and breathe out. Now, if you're new to solitude, let me um, remind you, warn you, that sometimes in solitude, all our worries, uh, all our thoughts, you know, suddenly that really important to do and task will come in mind, to come to mind that you've been neglecting, right? Uh, one writer, Henry Nowen, says that our minds can feel like monkeys in the banana tree uh, sometimes, he says. And, and sometimes, you know, anger and greed and worry and distraction, you know, that's okay, that's okay. It's going to happen, it's going to happen. Right? Just say, you know, I'm with Jesus right now. I'm spending time with Jesus. I think it's interesting that, and I've talked about this before, that in Hebrew and Greek, the same word is used for spirit, wind, and breath. Isn't it interesting that when God created Adam, he he breathed in to Adam's lifeless body. We breathe in the presence of God. So set an alarm, set an alarm just for a few minutes and breathe in the presence of God. We advance, we retreat. Advance, retreat. Advance, retreat. If we only retreat (laughs) behind uh, the walls of our home, right? If we only retreat, the kingdom doesn't get advanced, does it? But if we only advance, when do we rest? When do we get our hearts right with God? I've always been so impressed by uh, a, a man I heard speak once. His name is Gary Hogan, and uh, the president and CEO of International Justice Mission. And this ministry secures justice for victims of slavery, sexual exploitation, other forms of violence. And sometimes just to, just to read his job title makes me tired. What, a, what an overwhelming job that must be. Can you imagine how all of the worst problems of the world just seem to seek you out? I've wondered before, how does he... How does he do it? I mean, I think, if, I, I think I would be tempted to say, Lord, you know, there's too much. There's too much injustice in the world. And, and so it was remarkable for me to hear about this ministry-wide practice that Gary started and, and instituted for his staff. He says, I want you to come. Uh, the workday starts at 9, but I want you to come at 8.30. I'm going to pay you for those 30 minutes. But for those 30 minutes, I don't want you to do any work, no calls, no emails, no meetings. For 30 minutes, I want to just pay you to be quiet and still and silent before God. Now, when the office opens at 9, like all chaos is going to come rushing in, right? But isn't it interesting for that 30 minutes... The people who serve there are waiting on God before they extend the kingdom to others. Now that's how one very activistic ministry approaches solitude. That's how they do it. But the question I have for you is how do you do it? Or how are you going to do it? In fact, what's one little step that you could add to today, tomorrow, this week, that will ensure that you're taking a little bit of time to pause in God's presence. I learned that the, uh, recently learned of a premise of a book by a law professor. His name is Tim Wu, and the, the book is entitled The Attention Merchants, The Epic Scramble to Get Inside Our Heads. And uh, who are the attention merchants? 
Uh, Tim Wu says it's companies like Google and Facebook, it's email, it's your cell phone, it's your laptop, it's your TV, it's your notifications. Uh, He says they have asked and gained more and more and more of our waking moments. And he says it's creating in us an attentional crisis. We're having a crisis of attention, a crisis of, of focus. He says our attention spans are growing shorter and shorter and shorter. There's a guy I know, his name is Matt Woodley, and he says that in a sense, this is new in human history, but in another sense, it's not. He says, as followers of Jesus, we have always battled a trifecta of forces that are trying to get into our heads, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He says there has always been, from the beginning of time, an epic scramble for our attention. There has always, he says, been a a kind of spiritual attention deficit disorder. But thankfully, he said, our king awaits. And when we hang out with our king, when we retreat into solitude, guess what? We remember who we are again. We We are children of the king. We can rest in God's presence. We can lay down our Messiah complex. We don't have to be the Messiah because we're not the Messiah. We can stop trying to fix everything. We can stop trying to control everything. We can trust God. We can lay down fear. We can lay down a confession of sin. We can lay down avoidance. We can get ready to rise up and embrace the challenges of tomorrow. We can confess our sin in those times of solitude. We can say to Jesus, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. And we can hear Jesus say back to us, willing, cleansed. That can happen for us in solitude. When we hang out with our Savior, we remember our purpose. We begin to pray again, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth through me as it is in heaven. And friends, solitude is possible. Like weaned children, we can rest and refuel in our Father's presence. Would you pray with me? Lord, I think for so many of us, certainly for myself, we know that this is true. And yet, Lord, we have such a hard time following through with it. And so, Lord, sometimes we need to just start simple and start small, but start now. Sometimes, Lord, just even in this present moment, we need to commit ourselves to you again and say, Lord, I want to retreat into your presence so that I can advance your kingdom, so that I can retreat into your presence again. So, Lord, would you open up our minds and our possibilities to what this discipline might look like in our lives? Lord, can you give us the courage, the faith, the trust to simply begin to find those lonely places in our lives where we can be alone with you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.